Hey everybody, this is Random Chatterings, episode 15. I'm Marla Rodriguez. You're currently listening to part 2 of our anime extravaganza. So, let's not waste any more time, and let's get right back to it. And we're back! So, I don't know, let's just move on to the next series. Mosaic. Uh, Canary Mosaic basically follows the story of Karen Kujo and her friend Alice who are from the UK and they come over for Japan for the first time and not only is it funny in English but if you understand Japanese it's actually funny as well because only if you understand the language you can tell that Alice and Karen actually speak broken ass Japanese and they use des a lot like I mean every sentence I didn't even notice that well of course I didn't notice because I always read the subtitles yeah um, That's interesting. And uh, Karen and Alice meet their two friends who are... Bi- no, three friends, actually. Uh, Shino, who Alice actually has a... Well, not... It's like an established relationship, but it's not really because you can tell they really, really do care about each other. Like, yeah. one time they were playing uh, a game where you're supposed to say a different word every single time. And, and the first thing they started <laughs> with was blonde, chair, uh, book, uh, pencil... Alice, Shino, 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 fun like she's also dense in a sort of way but at the same time she just like does what she wants also she's filthy rich yeah she is she is i mean in one episode she has a giant she breaks a giant rv so so just so they can go on a hike so this is going on a hike oh and she went to hawaii for two days oh she went to hawaii for a weekend and and it's just like you know it doesn't matter just twirling around the sand a little bit and it called some sand mm-hmm. just took it home so, so it doesn't matter yeah. Kinder Mosaic is just such a such a delightful little series. Um, it's only twelve episodes. It's like the most innocent. About- it's a slice of life, so it 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 doesn't really have a plot. But like for these type of anime, it doesn't really need to. No, not really. And this includes my favorite scene in all in all of anime. The time, the, just everything about the scene is perfect. They're going on a camping trip. And Alice, Shino is wearing this ridiculous, this ridiculous dress that makes her look like she's from the 1850s. And she's like walking, and she's like stepping rocks with, with, um, with like she's skipping rocks with, not skipping rocks, like she's j- jumping on rocks on the river. And she slips and falls. And then this is like this really nice music this, that feels kind of like it's like it should be like uh, like with a, like with a slideshow or something. And out of nowhere, just Alice, the music stops, and Shino pops up from. <laughs> it's the most. <laughs> <laughs> the most, I, I don't even know how to describe the expression. Just like just blank, and 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 Alice is like, she know, she It's just so beautiful. Uh, it's it's just I, I wish I had more to say about it. 
it's just it's just a really really it's, cute it's, it's it's basically an anime that is cute in its own way it's it, it's well slice of life kind of follow the same formula to an yeah. extent but canary mosaic is interesting because even it's funny if you understand the language and if you don't but at the same time each episode is different like even though there's a beach episode or maybe they go on a hike or maybe they're just in school the key points of the series is karen's reactions the relationship between shino and alice which sometimes becomes so stupid to the point it's funny like uh shino just basically has like a really attractiveness to anything blonde like any like 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 they, they, they were studying class and then she pulls out a magazine it's just all blonde <laughs> just like all blonde people and Kinyura Mosaic basically it, it, it gives you that it, it's it's a comfy anime. It's an anime that you can just be like, oh, you come home and you just like watch Kinyura Mosaic and you just like you just enjoy what you're watching. But I I remember Shino and Alice. They're like the most adorable anime characters, and and it's just the, and, and it's really cute to see how much they really care. Well, not just care about each other. I think they do love each other legitimately. But it's not overdone. Like it's not like. What, what's amazing about how much restraint um, anime has, because you always expect, okay, these guys are clearly in love with each other, we're going to see them kiss in the end. Like, you never get that moment. But I think it makes it better that you don't get that moment, because then it feels like the relationship really matters that much, not just something for the audience. It's about these characters who really care about each other, and that's what that's what it really means. And then including the other characters as well. I mean, they're all they're all friends, and it's, it's just nice. It's like cotton candy. Now let's move on to a series which I would probably describe more like eating a cockroach in comparison. Holy fucking mother of cringe. <laughs> Holy fucking mother of cringe. Watamote. I'm not even going to try to do the Japanese title because it literally translates to it's not my fault that you guys think I'm unpopular. <laughs> this this is as close as I've seen to a Japanese Kirby enthusiasm. In terms of the kind of cringe series, I feel like your butt's twitching in your seat. It's like, oh my, oh my god. The series stars um, Tomoko, I don't remember her last name. Tomoko Kuroki. Thank you, Gary. Who is probably the, the most likable character, but then that's among the, all the other extremely unlikable characters. Her brother's a fucking asshole. Her mother is... Her, her mother's her mother. But then all of the students in her high school are all shallow, empty-headed jackasses. But poor Tomoko just wants... She wants to be, she wants to be popular. She wants to be accepted by everyone. And every approach to doing this is always wrong. It pretty much describes almost perfectly what social anxiety is absolutely yeah the series basically follows tomoko just trying to have a normal high school life and yep. even on her first day of school she can't even get to school because she's so damn nervous that she throws up in an alley like she tries so hard to be accepted and everything just goes horribly wrong yep. but it's not like it's something that's like unnatural it's like oh, all of a sudden she just gets punched out of nowhere it's like no these are like things that like happen normally and there's always that part where it splits into two scenes and it's Tomoko when she is outside and Tomoko when she is inside and she can never get that thought that she tries to like have like just saying hi or thank you like she can't even she can't even fathom to begin how to how hard it is mm. to just say a simple word right and her insecurity becomes more apparent when she sees her old friend from from middle school who transferred Yuchan she has a complete look first she's kind of she kind of had a similar style. She had like a bit of a goth style, but then she comes back 
and she has bigger breasts and she's more she's beautiful. Yuchan has a boyfriend and Tomoko like dreams every day of, of, of having someone just even touching her, like touching her hand or something. That's why she plays a lot of dating sims. She, yeah, she does. And when I say that her brother's an asshole, I'm trying to say that this is supposed to be a character. I get he's a teenager and I get he's supposed to be unapproachable, but my god, you can't be this unapproachable. You can't be this inhumane. You can't be this delusional. He's just. I know, I know, there's one episode where he's okay, and that episode is when Tomoko um, kind of w spends her summer just kind of screwing around the house and is kind of an, is, is kind of the brat, and her and her brother has a job. That's it. That's the only nice thing he does, is he has a job. Good for you, asshole. Good for you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something there. No, no, that clap killed me. <laughs> okay. It's just when he's, it wasn't even a full clap. He doesn't even deserve a full clap, it's just like... She doesn't have a system of support. She has nobody else. She gets somebody else that could... Well, there's Yu-Chan, and then there's like the... I don't know who the character was. The one that she meets like in the last two episodes? Mmm... I forgot to... I don't remember her name. She's, she's the president of the student council. Yeah, she but, is, yeah. But I forgot yeah. her name as well. But that's, that's all she has. Like, nobody else is approachable. And they're all... And I already said, I already said what I said. They're like typical, I don't want to say typical high schoolers, but like the typical, stereotypical depiction of high schoolers. And I hate them all so much. I completely get where Tomoko's coming from. I completely, I, I can sympathize so much with her, with her situation, even if I didn't grow up with that kind of anxiety. What first made me watch this anime, I think this was, this was like the fourth anime I ever saw, because I saw Lucky Star, then I saw Yuri Yuri, and then I saw Kinema Zig, and I saw these like, slice of lives comedies, and I was like, what Timote? Oh, that looks interesting. And I was like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> just like, this is just so cringeworthy, holy shit. It's... But every time I saw a review or read an article on it or whatever, it was like it was always talking about people how relatable it was, mm -hmm. like Tomoko's struggles, Tomoko's experience, like that happens to people in everyday life. All of like eating with all the other kids, like yeah. one of the scenes, like Tomoko likes to eat in the bathroom alone because yeah. she feels safer there. Yeah, and she's also kind of uh, an otaku because she plays games all night and she's always on That's the internet. That's the only place where she feels kind of kind of acceptance. Like she gets fantasies, she dreams about the characters in the visual novels talking to her and saying, "Tomoko, you're so beautiful," and that's because it's like, it's it's like a goal that she can never reach because she just can't. Even in the finale, this isn't an anime that's like, oh, happily ever after. Now Tomoko can like hug everyone. Oh, She's she popular did, in school. Yeah. It's like, no. Like, she has grown a bit, but she still can't even say hi. She, she can say hi, but she still can't do simple things that every person can do, like ordering a cup of coffee at yeah. a store. Yeah. And that that's what what's what um made me like Watamoto the most. It wasn't like a happy ending kind of anime. It was a realistic one. Definitely. Also, this is me trying to pronounce it. I'm not even joking how long this title is. Watashi ga motenai no wa doka kanete mo omawera gai awarai. Yeah. That's a long title. And that, 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 yeah, I was really hoping Tomoko would finally like befriend the student council president and the wind has to blow up her skirt and Tomoko has to run away. So, oh my god, no, no, no. And it has the theme song in the back. Oh, the theme song is beautiful. It's a really, I really like it. it I, 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 I think I, you showed it to me the first time I felt like, when the first time you showed it to me, I thought it was kind of cheesy, but I, it grew on me. Not the series, I mean the, the theme song. 
and then it ends with the most bizarre. Well, I guess just because every anime just has to have two different music styles or something. But the ending theme is like da 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 da, and it's like so. It's more happy. It's so. I guess it's, just because it counteracts all the cringe that we have just seen, and it's yeah. a really cute sequence. It's like she's walking, and then there's self, and there's smartphones. And you push the self smartphone away, and moves onto another smartphone. It's really cute. Nothing like the rest of the series. Really interesting. Really interesting. Really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to the next one. No game, no life. Oh, hey, another anime you didn't take seriously. Yeah, it starts off with Sora and um, Shiro. Shiro. Shiro is the little sister of Sora, and they're basically one of the best gamers on the planet. Like, these people are so good; they play with their feet to relax. <laughs> and but they're also neat, which uh, stands for not educated, not employed, or in training. So basically, they just stay home. And the first, the first line in the anime is like, "Hey, what time is it?" It's like eight. Be like, oh, it's pretty late, then we should probably go to bed. Nah, not for a neat. And the first series basically shows how they're really good at games and they excel. And then they're challenged to a single chess match. Uh, I think I think one of my favorite quotes is, chess is as easy as tic-tac-toe, something like that. <laughs> no, ch- no, chess is no different than tic-tac-toe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, is basically the brains of the group and Sora is more of the social... Social PR, so, social skills, person. yeah. He has really good social skills, yeah. but he's also confident, he's also brazen. confident and psychologically advanced himself. And maybe a little perverted too. He's a teenager. Hormones. Yeah. And uh, when they're challenged to this game of chess and they finally win, but it's after like twelve hours or something, <laughs> um, they get brought into this world um, by a god named Tet, who basically says that this is a new world where uh, dying is prohibited, robbing, mugging, etc, etc. And there are 10 rules you need to follow, which I can't remember at the moment. Just, but basically, all, all of the world's conflicts, all of your problems, all of your discussions are solved with games. You both pledge something that are of equal value, and whoever wins gets both those values. Yeah. And before you create a game, you say, Ashente. Ashente! Which, which basically means that you uh, agree, or like, yeah. let's go, or etc. And No Game No Life is interesting because when I first showed it to him, it gets etchy at first. Like, a little like the the first episode has a shot. What of does etchy mean, Gary? Etch, oh, etchy basically means slightly sexual, but nothing really that bad. Like it's not, because like if you opened a random magazine, you'd probably find worse stuff. But still, no, it gets pretty more etchy later on. It, it does, but not like... To, not, not to an excruciating... But, but like, that's the thing. Like, even though it's etchy, it doesn't do anything to the series that much. Like, there is, um... There are really etchy scenes that are... It's mostly done for comedy, though. Yeah, it's mostly done for, like, the comedy factor. But, like, that's not what the show's about. No Game No Life is such a psychological mind fuck <laughs> that you don't know what's going on until you hear that triumph music. Like, you're just guessing the whole damn game. My initial problems with the show were first with the characters that they, they always win. So, okay, where's the drama? Where's the where's any of the suspense? Oh, yeah, the... the... But what I was trying to explain is that, you know, for some people, and I don't mean to put wrestling into this, but I've been watching a lot of wrestling, so lol, John Cena wins. The problem people have may have is what <laughs> lol john cena wins that's just that's just it's like a joke on the internet that you put the wrestler and he competes against somebody and he always wins and that means that that's not interesting but like gary said because they become the king and queen 
they become the king and queen of, of uh, Imanita? Imanity. Okay, so basically, um, there are 16 races in this world, yeah. and they're all ranked from like uh the best. Yeah. Like that'll they'll kill you with looking at you, and then it's like the people who are just pretty much human. Yeah. And so in Shiro, because they're human, they get caught in with humanity, and the whole series is basically about how they're trying to prove that humans are not worthless. And Sora's quotes and what's on his T-shirt is "I love humanity." and how humanity is not something to be doubted on yeah. or uh, undermined. So basically, all these games, all these discussions, how they're trying to conquer more and more lands through these challenges, um, it's basically them trying to show that humans are not worthless, right. facing against gods themselves and beating them. Yeah. But even though you know they're going to win... It's still it's still really engaging. It, it, still, it, took, it, it still took me by surprise. Because of one, you see the extent of the games that are played. Like, there's the game in the episode we watched recently. It was like they were going to get, uh, they went against Jibril and. Jibril. Jibril, and they were telling if you say a word, then it disappears or it appears there. Or, no, it disappears. If you say a word, if it doesn't exist already, then it'll appear, and if it does exist already, then it'll disappear. Yes. And. That was really tense, but then in another episode, there's an episode where they're doing this we like this um, this um, shooter simulator or something, and that's a two-parter. And mm. then there's another one where the theme song ends and Shiro's all alone, and you like, what the fuck happened? And then it, it, it just keeps it keeps you more... guessing until you hear that triumph music. Like, yeah, you will you will not be able to tell what's going to happen next just by like the first ten minutes, which makes it a really compelling series to watch, even if. Ultimately, you do realize blank. Uh, blank never loses. Blank never loses, and there is even a bit, a bit of character development because uh, the first time you see Shiro all by herself, you see like I don't know what to do with myself because my brother is my life. That really works actually. At first, you kind of think of Shiro as just someone who just sits in the background who just kind of lets Sora be her mouthpiece, but then you see her all by herself, and then she has to, she has to find the strength within herself to figure out what happened to her brother. It's really, it it took me by surprise, and. Twelve episodes only, but it set up so much in the last episode. Oh, the fucking cliffhanger of cliffhangers! Shameful. There must be more. Uh, honest, honestly, this is the only anime that, if you wanted to continue it, you should definitely read the manga. It, how far does it go? Uh, it goes. How far has it gone so far? It has like ten volumes, I think. Cause wow. like, there's even like new characters and oh, new okay. challenges mm -hmm. and. Like, honestly, the, when, when, when I saw the 12th episode, like, when I was alone, it was probably, like, 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. Um, and then I see Sora, like, challenging one of the gods, and I was like, oh, this is gonna get good. And then I see, like, in black, and it's like, uh, now the games begin. And then the video just ends, like, what the fuck was that? Like, it, the 12th episode ends on literally like, what you would think would be a commercial break. Yeah. It wasn't very popular because it aired really late in like in Japan, mm -hmm. so it wasn't able to really get that much of an audience for a second season, which sucks. But the manga is definitely worth reading. Yeah, and uh, it took me by surprise. So just because lol blank wins doesn't always mean that it's not the most investing and mindfucky anime that you can think of. But then again, the next one's also pretty mindfucky.
the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. I knew I was going to something special because I was hooked from the very first episode and immediately told Garrett I need to see more of this. The premise is essentially that Haruhi Suzumiya is a one-of-a-kind girl who has the power to change the universe without her knowing about it. I'm bored! <laughs> but she says that a lot too, and, and she can be a bit of, a, of an overwhelming character because of how... I mean, you can you can respect her, her enthusiasm for everything, but she's also kind of pushy... Kind of... <laughs> but she's ambitious! <laughs> um, but, I mean, aside from all that, Kiyoni is, is the main character, and he's the narrator, and this is when I just noticed monologuing a bit more in anime, because he monologues a lot. And we also have um, Koizumi, who is an esper, who, who tells uh, Kion about the potential life-changing abilities that Karaki Suzumi has. There's a Mikuru, who is... Really adorable, but um, is also a time traveler. <laughs> and there's finally, and there's finally Yuki Nagato, who is what is she exactly? She is a collection of data compiled into a human-like form. Uh, technically an alien, but not, not really. really. Not really. I don't even think she counts as life. <laughs> So Yuki Nagato is uh, basically an android of a sort sent by the data in data integrated thought industry that we don't really know what they are, but basically they control all the data in the universe and yep. all the universes combined. And they sent Nagato down on Earth uh, to observe and survey Hari Suzumiya because she has the power that exceeds any god that has ever existed, but she doesn't know it. And she shouldn't know it because if she does, then it changes. Then she could potentially change the entire universe to her very, to her very whim. And with someone with her character who is always trying to get things going, um, whether it be her. And it's funny because um, even the very existence of those three, who just sound like really outlandish characters, could even be a part of Suzumiya herself. Because she's looking for. Because even she says when she's creating the SOS Brigade, which is the club that she creates in high school, she says, "I want to look for time travelers, espers, and aliens." And then mm -hmm. suddenly these characters join the club, and it's just a very, very suspicious. And the, and the ways that they kind of keep playing around with the premise of, of you know, trying to calm Haruhi Suzumiya down. There's one episode though when they when they when they don't fail, but it's more like it's more like out of control what her boredom is, and she creates a closed space which create which which in which Kion and Haruhi are transported into this realm that's completely lacking color, and then these giant. Loose um, Shinjins, Shinjins um, appear out of nowhere and smash are smashing up the world. But Haruki is so enraptured by the fact that oh my god, this is so weird and different. Like I, I love this, and Kion has to try to find a way to get them back into their own reality. And there's just constantly there's constantly this tension in everything that happens because you always think if I do something wrong, Haruki's going to change the universe. But then there's like a few episodes that also kind of have fun with the premise. Like there's an episode when Haruhi uh, creates a baseball team because she feels like making a baseball team. But if they lose, then she destroys the universe, <laughs> or she creates another closed space and destroys the universe. And it is this. And then there's another episode when they're in a mansion, and Haruhi might have created a serial killer. No, well, basically the whole premise is that Koizumi has uh, his corporation, which we don't really get a name of, actually. Not really. He just says my corporation. Yeah. My, um, yeah, my con conrads. Yeah. Conrads. <laughs> um. That was really cheesy. Fucking shit. 
how uh, how his corporation basically uh, gets him to create these situations that he, they think that her he would find interesting and then she would uh, occupy her time with. And one of them is that he goes to a mansion which apparently just completed building like two days ago and apparently they just happen to know someone who could take him to an exerted island and apparently they just happen to know uh, two people who uh, happen to be having an argument by the time they are there. But you know, it's, it's coincidence. Don't, hey, don't, it's coincidence, don't worry. Um, but um, they they basically create a fake serial killing case that they want Haruhi to find out who the killer was, but they don't tell her. So it's more like Haruhi is so bored that anything interesting that happens, she wants to find out the cause of it. Yeah. Now because Haruhi was actually taking it seriously and she actually found out why the killing was a fake and etc. Yeah. Um. And by the end of the episode, they noticed when um, they noticed outside that there was actually someone there. Yeah. So at that point, you notice that Haruhi can change the world and its inhabitants without her knowing. Yeah. Because she was trying to solve the murder case, she eventually created a scenario where an actual serial killer was left on the island. Yeah. Though in the entire series, we never find out about any of that. Or yeah. go back to the island, or ever hear from the people ever again. <laughs> so they do drop, but they do drop a lot of premises, and they just kind of they they, uh, they they come around every once in a while. But uh, I don't I don't know. What's really great about this anime is the characters. Kion is basically someone who monologues and he tries to deal with Haruhi. The other three are basically they're there to serve Haruhi. Like if they if they know that if she gets pissed, the universe is basically fucked. Yeah. But Kion. Even though he knows of this, he still tries to control her. Like he knows, no, it's not, not controlling. Not, not control, but like, keep her in like, line. Like, like show her that. Show her some humility. Show her some respect. That just doing whatever she wants is not okay. And Mikuro Asahina is a time traveler who is really cute. She's really shy, and uh, she basically does whatever Haruhi says. But she's also very important to the story. Yeah. Then there's Koizumi the Esper, who basically also does all her uses, but it's always so calm about it. Like, like I, Koizumi is the type of person that if someone just got shot, he would just be like, oh, that well, You know, the bullet trajectory just entered into the into his left chest, and then he fell over. But you know, the universe just works in such interesting ways that he was probably destined to get shot by that bullet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, things just happen. What, what makes the series um, so interesting to watch is that it just, you never know what's gonna happen next. You always know that the general premise is, okay, Haruhi is crazy. I'm bored. I'm bored. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do stuff that might destroy the universe, and Kion always has to be, is pretty much assigned to keep Haruhi in line and make sure that she, that she doesn't change the universe. And this premise goes to its, its, its absolute extreme in one of the most fascinating television experiments I've ever seen, and this is called The Endless Eight, in which, in the first episode, we're setting up that, okay, we're having a, it's summer vacation, we're having fun, it's two weeks, it gets to the end, and and it's all good. Next episode, it starts all over again, and Keon starts noticing, wait a minute, we've done all this before, everything seems familiar. And then it does it again, and then again, and then again. For eight episodes. For eight episodes. But I think this is so fascinating because people were pissed off when South Park, in the second season premiere, they were going to say, okay, who killed Cartman's dad? And instead they have a Terrence and Phillip episode. But think of that, but for eight weeks. 
Yeah, because when you keep in mind to the actual Japanese broadcast in 2006, the people who were watching the show, they were like, okay, so this is, uh, I guess, like a beach filler episode, uh, or to an extent, uh, this is interesting, but what's coming next week? And then it's the same episode. So the Endless 8 is special in the way that not only is it showing that, um, you know, it's showing how Kion is experiencing the same thing over and over again, but it's also the viewers themselves. Yeah. You're feeling like Kion. You've seen the same episode eight times, but at the same time, each episode is different in its own little way. It makes, like, some like some episodes of The Endless Eight focus more on, like, airplanes or on distance or on space. Others are more, like, just, like, about people, like, what people say and like, their clues or something. And this is a fascinating experiment, but it does get excruciating, and two of the episodes are pretty much throwaways that don't have that much interesting things about them that make them worth watching. But just seeing the same the same script set in so many different ways, with so many different variants, that the camera angles are different, it's such a fascinating narrative experiment that it makes you really think a lot about storytelling, how effective storytelling can be, how how, how it can change around. As, as, as somebody who wants to be in production, it's a fascinating, it was a fascinating thing to watch. Even though it is called the Otaku Test, which is, are you willing to watch all eight episodes and not just skip to the very end when you actually figure out what's going on? And I, 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 I watched all eight episodes at first, and it took it, it took him an hour to decide. He, he just like got up from the chair and he was just like, well, <laughs> eight episodes, twenty minutes each. That's gonna be like three hours. Um, we watched two episodes. And you didn't tell me what was going on, and then you realized, okay, are you ready? Do you want to take the Otaku Test? I thought about it. And I'm sure, and I, I, I think I don't regret doing that because I think not many other people would. I think if you want to go into production, this is a really important thing for you to watch because it shows you a lot about storytelling. But nobody else needs to watch those episodes. The Endless Eight. The Endless Eight is very special though because it's called the Endless Eight because it focuses on Yuki Nagato's personality. Yuki Nagato is basically a character that. Her personality is antisocial. She only speaks in short words and she doesn't really have a lot of emotion to her, a lot of personality to her. She is able to control data with her own mind, with her own ability, and alter the universe, even the laws of physics. However, because Nagato isn't even classified as life and almost an android made of pure data, every time Kyon goes to the same day and forgets something at the end of the day, because it's a sequence of two weeks, yeah. because Haruhi feels that summer isn't fulfilled enough so she repeats it every single time yeah however every single time she repeats it everyone's memories are wiped except for Nagato and Nagato experiences the same two weeks 15,499 times I'm glad you mentioned Yugi Nagato actually because now we can move into the disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya which is um, the only film that we'll be talking about today where Yugi Nagato actually becomes a, a, a very a primary character in this film, and we actually get a huge aspect of personalities that are that weren't quite um, mentioned in the series. And what essentially happens is that it, first, it's like the first 20 minutes are just like a regular Harvey episode, and then everything changes. Every single thing changes, and Kion goes absolutely insane trying to cope with the fact that everything, no, everything he, he ever familiar. knows has changed, but at the same time, nothing has really changed. But everything seems the same, but there's like these slight differences. And he goes absolutely crazy just trying to just trying to talk to all his classmates, because it turns out that the one thing that makes him really, that really sets him off is that Haruhi is gone. Throughout the whole entire movie, he's just trying to find his way back. But then he discovers um, Yugi Nagato, who's still, who's still in school, but it's not Yugi Nagato. 
she she has emotions but she's really really damn shy like when Kion first walks into the the SOS brigade um club room he thinks that the world is back to normal because he can't find Koizumi he can't find Miss Asahina and he can't find Haruki he goes Mikuru Asahina Mikuru Asahina yeah when he refers to as Miss Asahina um and he says, oh, Nagato, you're here. Okay, so everything is kind of normal-ish. But then he really finds out that this isn't the same Nagato because she has emotions, she has feelings, she's human now. And that's what really sets Kion off because that's the point that he figures out that it, this is a complete different world even though it looks exactly the same. Right. And this, the whole movie, the whole premise of the movie, it focuses a lot on the Endless 8 because can you imagine experiencing the same 14 days 15,499 times and having no ability to do anything about it it must it must drive you insane even if somebody like Nagato was meant to be someone who's looking over Haruhi uh, I can't even imagine thinking that myself and I have to say that I really did really enjoy this film and it made me cry a few times. Um, what well, I really, what I really appreciate. What do you want to say? No. Well, you you were stupefied by the art alone. Oh no! Absolutely, they went far beyond. This is a film. This is a feature film. The there's so many beautiful like landscape shots of just of just the city, like more detailed than there would usually be. And what I really appreciated about it is, even though it's probably I think it's probably the same writers, the same directors, it takes it's it takes its time. It develops the. It develops the relationship between Kion and Yuki, the, the the new Yuki, and but there's constantly this appreciation for, for the two of them. We get a lot more. Even Kion kind of feels challenged about, oh, well, okay, my life has been surrounded by Haruhi. What if it wasn't surrounded by Haruhi? How do I? Do I actually like this better? And he has this moral dilemma of, what do I really want in life? What am I really looking for? And at times, those choices that he has to make are painful. And there are many, many times in this movie that I cried. Some movies, moments I can't mention because it'd be spoilers. But moments that legitimately moved me. But I do have to say that they moved me because I knew the characters. I saw the entire series before watching this film, which I think is the only way you can see it. Because if you just watch it just out of the bloom, it's like, oh, it, I've it'll, things about it. it. It's it's an interesting movie if you watch it without um, not watching the series. But you can't get that feel of Nagato's struggle. Like, the ability to not be able to show any emotion, not be able to ever speak your mind, to only be able to say, like, more less than three words and responses and to the point where you just can't take it and you just struggle that the when the world changes and you finally seem human that is that the right choice that you made or do you want to not stay in this world right and the ending song breaks me down every single damn time it, it, it did me too um I wanted to do a list of the top five moments in this movie that made me cry, but that would be spoilers. But I guess we can say that it does, because well, it's it's um, it's the voice actor of, it, of it's, Yuki. It's the voice actor of Yuki Nagato, and to put it simply, the song is basically about how even though she is she isn't able to show her emotions, she still feels very accepted. But to actually hear it breaks me down every single t- I can't even think about it without yeah yeah um <laughs> all right <laughs> um it, 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 it it's powerful it's it's something it's something that I 
because because the series is so focused on what are we gonna do now? What how are we gonna fuck with the audience this time? And then seeing this movie with such sincerity, with such appreciation for its characters, it's 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 such a beautiful thing. And I I wish I could say more, but all I can say is I recommend this movie. <laughs> I do have to say you would have to see the series before, but I think you can. I think you can get a pretty you you don't have to see the whole series but you should at least see some of the endless eight to understand the struggles see the first two parts of endless eight and then the very last one where everything is solved yep because then because then you pretty much get a good grasp of it right and um actually leads us into the spin-off uh the disappearance of yuki nagato Naga yuki nagato no shoujitsu um yeah that that. (laughs) so this is interesting because in the movie uh Kion decides to go back to his old world, but this anime is basically um, a spin-off of what if Kion just decided to say, no, I don't want to go back. And this is more of a slice of life com- romantic comedy because it more follows the how um, Kion and the new Nagato's uh, relationship, but she is so extremely shy that it pretty much just follows the struggle she has to even say something to Kion. It's a spin-off, so it does all include the old characters. Miss Asahina's there, yeah, Haruhi, Koizumi, they're all their same characters, but it's like, it focuses on the romantic comedy aspects, and it's what makes, um, what makes it different from the whole series as a whole, but at the same time, it's still a good, I guess, what do we call it? Like, uh, a compromise? Yeah, a compromise that there was no, uh, there was no season, season four. Because uh, I technically season, I guess you could say the movie season three because it's the same length as as when the seasons would have been. Yeah, um, it's it's a really, I mean, it's a, it's more familiar. Like they do the same, they do the, the things that are that happen in slice of life comedies. They go to those hot springs. They have Christmas, but it's with the characters that you know and love. Um, I mean, if you do. Um, it's it's familiar and it and it's um it's kind of it's kind of um it's just kind of nice to see the characters again, and but I do really appreciate um because she I mean she's definitely in love with Keon but it's not it's like it's like all anime like when they always have the, those romantic relationships it's like let's just make it grow like part by part moment by moment let's not push it and that'll it'll make the payoff that much better even if, even if there's not a payoff. Um, we're actually not done with this series. We actually, I think we need like two more episodes. Yeah, but this series does... Well, the problem is that I read the manga, so I know everything. <laughs> so I, I have to like struggle while watching the episodes to be like, Oh, I remember that. Like, oh, this happens next. And I'm just like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> um, but the series actually does go from romantic slice of life comedy to a bit of a drama, which does give it a new feel. And I would highly recommend it only if you enjoy the Haruhi series. Yeah, because if you like the characters, then you're going to like this series. Even if it's a little bit more familiar in terms of its style, it's, it's still really sweet. And the drama stuff, which I can't, I won't, I won't say anything because we haven't actually even finished that particular part. It reminds me a lot of old Haruhi, of what a, maybe what a season four Haruhi would have been like, like a little tiny taste of what a season four, and it just kind of makes me lament that there will never be a season four. But keep your butts glued, everyone, because in the next segment, we're going to go into our next batch of anime, and it gets interesting. We'll be right back. This has been part two of our anime extravaganza. 
taking us out this week is God Knows by Aya Hirano. And I guess my I guess my better judgment, I'm just gonna play the rest of the song uninterrupted because I think it's rad. The random chat as always the random chatterings podcast can be found at random Thanks for listening. Part three is on its way. Wow.